just keep standing. Father God, I thank you this morning. Father God, you said we'll go from strength to strength. Everyone that appears before you is Zion. Father, we ask this morning that we will learn to seek you more, we will learn to know you more, but most importantly, we will know your ways and follow those ways, oh God. Father, let the dew of heaven fall on us this morning. Let the dew of heaven fall on us this morning. Let the dew of heaven fall on us this morning. Open our ears. Open our eyes to the truth of your word. Father, hide me behind the cross. Speak to your people. Encourage your people. Convict your people to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be taking a fresh look at Jesus. We've had quite a few people come in, got saved, wanting to get established in the faith. We've had some of us who've worked with God for a while. We've had some storms in our lives. And when the storm passes through, if it's a big enough storm, your house is still standing on that foundation because your foundation is strong. But the windows may be taken out. The door may be taken out. The roof might have some damage. And so when the storm is over, a wise homeowner starts to work on some of the damages that were done so that your home, your house can be sometimes, and in most cases, better than it was before the storm came. So for us too that are mature Christians that are here today, God wants to make sure this message or some of these messages that will come in the next few weeks are messages that will cause you to go back and look at your foundation and see if you need to repair some things or look at the house and see if some of your windows that have been taken out, if you've been living in a house with no windows, or your doors, so that you can fix them and be strong and be that beautiful house that God wants, that we speak to people's lives. So these messages will be for those who just came to the faith and for those who have been established, who have belong in the faith. We know that these days, when you mention God, anything can be God. I can be God to myself. Everybody has their own definition of who God is. And everybody is doing things pretty much where anything is acceptable. If you decide today, you know, you are no longer a, a man, you want to be a woman, you, it's up to you. Whatever you want. And there are systems in place that if you come and say that what the Bible says is the right thing, there are systems in place to fight you to the death. And so the, 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 the tendency is for us Christians to shut back, to pull back and not be so in front of people, not be so open with what we believe because we are afraid of being persecuted. We are afraid of being called too deep. We are afraid of being called fanatics. 
But let me tell you something. The Bible is clear. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. You cannot take God out of the equation. You cannot. Any society that does, any family that does, any individual that does, you will pay a price for it. Because in the beginning was God. The beginning was not the United States. The beginning was not you. The beginning was not your money. The beginning was not your fame. The beginning was not anything else. The beginning was God. And so we have to go back to that beginning and see what God has to say. And that is where you need to be if you want to be safe. And that is what you need to follow, what he says. We don't have a deficit of words from God. Everything he made his mind known in the Bible. The Bible says Jesus is the express image of God. In the olden days he spoke through prophets. He spoke through all those people, the priests, the prophets. But he says in these days Jesus, he came, God came down in the form of Jesus. So when you see Jesus, you know who God is. Because the Bible says he is the express image of God. And so I'm going to read these scriptures to you and I'm going to go into because sometimes our vision becomes blood. I, I, I have been there. I'm not telling you what I haven't been through. I have had to go back to my foundation to fix some things. I have had to go back and put windows back where the windows were blown off. I have gone to, to I have questioned some things. I have. I won't, I, won't, I won't lie to you. I have questioned some things because they didn't make sense. But you know what? The fact that God is quiet doesn't mean he's not there. And that's the mistake we make. Because when things are quiet and you are just like wanting him to, and he says, because a, a day is like a thousand years for him. And a thousand years are, is just like a day. He's outside of our time, outside of our space, outside of our imagination, outside of our thinking, outside of our scope. We don't bring him and fit him into our own box. You cannot do that. And so it gets to a point where you have to sit yourself down and say, you know what? God is God in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. And realize that you are his child, and that every plan that he has is for your good, no matter what it may seem like at that time. So Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11, say, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7, But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Remember that. I'll come back to that. He became obedient to the point of death. That is God himself. That's Jesus. Even the death of the cross. Therefore, so because he was humble and submissive to the will of God, even though he was God himself, God the Son, 
He humbled himself, submitted to authority that was above him, which was God the Father. Because of that, God, in verse 9, says, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name. The, not a name, the. He's only the one that has that name. Which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. That name that God gave him because he was obedient, because he was submissive to authority, God gave him a name called the Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Philippians 3, verses 12 to 16, I'll read it in the message translation. I'm not saying I have this all together. That I have made it. But I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I have got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward. That is the key. To keep your eye on the goal, no matter what. Keep your eye on the goal, because that's how you're going to go onward and forward. And what is that goal? He says, beckoning us onward to what? To Jesus. Beckoning us onward to Jesus. He says, I'm off and running, and I ain't turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal, that goal of Jesus. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blood vision. Do you like that? God himself will come down and put that balm in your eye. To clear your blood vision. Because a lot of things blur our vision of God. And then you will see it again. And now that you're on the right track, you better stay on it. So that's what I'm trying to do here today. I want to put your eyes back on who Jesus is. So that we can take another look at this God we are serving. This Jesus who came and died for us. If your vision is blurred, you will see a, a side of him that you will think is not Jesus. You will see something going on that you might think is not him. But it's just because your vision is blurry because of what's going on around you. Or happening in your own life. Or what you see in the society. But Jesus is not, he, he's still the same. He has not changed one bit. But the thing is being focused. Being focused so that we can have everything God has for us. Because if you are not focused, you cannot walk in the fullness of God. You cannot walk in the fullness of what He has for you. Because every one of us here, everyone, you were called with a purpose in mind. 
And for you to walk in that purpose, you have to realize who Jesus is, the part that he plays in that. We look up to him, the Bible says, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus had many, many, many dimensions. The Bible calls him Savior. We just read about Lord. He says, I'm the bread of life. He's the shepherd. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the light. He's the life. He's the door. The Bible calls him a lot of things. You have to experience him in all those dimensions for that dimension to be real in your life. That's what I said. That's why I said last week, most of us, we have experienced him as Savior. And that's where we have stopped. There is more sides of Jesus for us to experience. When he's your Savior, you had nothing to do with it. It was just the grace and the mercy of God and the Holy Spirit pulling on those strings on your heart and you one day you woke up and you're like, why have I thought I could handle life on my own? It's like a veil gets taken off and you realize that nothing you can do, no, no, no goodness, there's nothing in you. The Bible says all your righteousness is as filthy rags. And then you realize, oh my God, I'm a sinner. Jesus died for me so that I don't have to go to hell. Have life everlasting. Let me tell you something. I read something this week as I was studying that just like, oh my God. Everybody has everlasting life. Everybody. You ha- we all have life eternal. Whether you're a Christian or you are not a Christian or a believer. These days, even the word Christian, I'm finding out that you can use the word Christian. It's not even really, it's the believer born again. That's the main difference. You can be born again a following uh, believer of Christ and you don't know God, and you don't want to know God, it's just location where you are going to spend eternity. We all have life. Once you pass through the womb of a woman, you are going to live forever. Where you live is, the problem, is, is going to be the key, with God or with, or with the enemy. So Jesus as a Savior is a dimension that we, most of us, have you know, experienced. When the Holy Spirit comes in, we open our mouth, we confess, we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we become saved. But that grace, that grace that leads you to salvation is two dimensions, it's two, it's two faces to it like a coin. Once you get saved, God empowers you and now gives, we go from grace to grace, the Bible says. When you are now saved, God empowers you and gives you the grace to now to do things and to work and to what the Bible calls the fruit of righteousness to begin to be manifested in your life. What most of us do or what most believers do is they get saved and all they do is, oh, I sin again or I commit this or I do this so you go back to God again, please forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. What we are doing is we are taking the grace of God for granted. That's where the grace message gets messed up. Grace is, grace is the unmerited favor of God. You didn't deserve it. You didn't add anything to it. There was nothing you did to get it. But once you get saved, you are now empowered to walk the works of him who saved you. You are now empowered to be a force in the kingdom of God. You are now empowered to have the fruits of righteousness 
reign and rule in your heart so that other people can see your life and begin to give glory to God and want to know the same God that you know. That's what salvation is. And so you must go from Jesus being your Savior to Jesus being your Lord. Because they are two different things. You must experience that for you to have a fruitful Christian life. Jesus, our Lord. This is a dimension that most of us, or some of us, have not experienced. What is the meaning of Lord? Uh, Lord. Lord means a sovereign, a sovereign controller. It means master. It means owner. The one who has dominion. The one who is in absolute control. It gives us a picture of someone who you have given permission and or restrained access into your whole life. And so the picture that comes to mind as I say that is for you, you, you've accepted Jesus in your heart, you've opened the door because the Bible says, I stand at the door and knock and whoever opens the door, I will come in and I will stop with him. But the picture I have in my head of people that stop at the level of Jesus the Savior is you have opened the door, he has come in, but you left him right there on the threshold. Or you left him right there on the hallway. Or maybe you are really, really, really open. You, you, you love him and you've taken him to the family room or family living room to sit down. But you've not invited him into the bedroom. Most of us here know that anyone, if somebody comes to your home and you invite him into your bedroom, there's a level of relationship you have with that person. There's a level of openness between you. There's a depth of relationship you have with that person that you don't have with a lot of people. Not everybody comes to my home and I will take them to my bedroom. No. Very few people. So the question today is, where is God in your house? That's something every one of us will have to answer. Where is God right now? Is he in the living room? Is he just on the hallway right outside, outside the door? You've opened the door... But is he just right there? You give him a, a small little stool to sit. Is he in the, in the dining room? Is he in the living room? Or have you invited him into the intimate place, into your bedroom for intimate fellowship where you can talk things and say things and do things that maybe you can't do with somebody who is right there at the door or in the living room? So that's the question. Because submission to him, the degree of submission that you have to Jesus, the degree of submission tells us how much of Lord he is to you. And the degree of submission you have will also determine the level of power you walk in. Anything that is not under the lordship of Jesus, he's not, he's not mandated to take care of it. If I hold an umbrella today, I'm under that umbrella, I will not get wet. But anything outside of that umbrella is going to get wet. That is it. When you submit your life totally, and this is a message that is not a shouting message, but these are the foundations we need to have for us to stand in the days that we're in. If I hold that umbrella, anything outside of that umbrella is going to get wet. So that is the same thing God wants us to submit everything in our lives. Everything. Your finances, 
your job, your family, your children, your emotions, your relationships. God wants them all under his canopy. Because anything outside of it is still a God to you. Anything outside of that canopy is still a God to you. So God expects us today. The centurion, he called and asked Jesus because he was like a governor and he was doing good things for the people in Jerusalem. And he asked Jesus, said, my servant is sick. Could you please come to my house? Because I know you do miracles. Please come and help and pray for my servant. And the Bible says that Jesus was about to go. But the centurion now said, you know what? No, I don't want to bother you. You don't have to come. Just say a word. Just speak a word. And my servant will be healed. He said, because I am a man under authority. He said, because I'm a man under authority, I understand that when I speak a word as a Roman uh, governor, that my word carries power, and whatever I say, somebody must carry it out. He said, because of that, Jesus, I know you can speak a word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I have never seen such faith in Israel. Do you know why? Because Jesus himself was under authority, and this Gentile understood that because Jesus was under authority, whatever he spoke, whatever he said was done. And he said, I've never seen this kind of revelation come to a human being, much more someone who is not of the tribe of, 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 of the Jewish tribe. Because as we read in Philippians, Jesus himself submitted himself to the authority of God took off his own godliness, took off everything that, that was God and stepped into our, our world to carry our sins, to die for us so that God can be, we can be reconciled back to God. And God said because of that submission and that obedience to go all the way, that was why God raised him up and made, gave him the name Lord. So also in our lives, total submission to God is where your power lies. Because when you are submitted to God and he becomes your Lord in every area of your life, you truly give it to him and you say, Lord, everything I give to you. When you do that, his power now backs you so that anything you say, God will honor that and do it for you. That is the key there. Simple but profound. Simple but profound. Because we have been able to do Christianity without fully surrendering everything to God. Without fully giving all. The Bible says, David said, I would rather spend a day in the courtyard of the Lord than a thousand days elsewhere. Being Lord means that those things that Jesus said, you do them. He said, you call me Lord, Lord, but the things I say to do, you don't do them. He said, you call me Lord, Lord, I'll read some of the scriptures, but your hearts are far. In these days, you need, we, we all need to, I'm telling you, I was reading in California, I don't know how many of you read it. There's a new law now that says that if a child, that if a child has been born seven days, the mother has taken that baby home. She can decide, ah, it's inconvenient for me. 
I still want to abort. Seven-day-old child can be taken back to the doctor to be killed in the name of abortion. California. So they've shifted from, it's just a blob in the, stomach, in the, in the, in the uterus, so ah, it doesn't feel any pain in this number of weeks. So well, it's the mother's right. When the baby partial birth, the head is out, we just put something in the neck and, and suck the brain out. Now, in this w- world we're living in, somebody actually thought that was a good thing and it was the majority carried the vote and it's now a law in California that after your child has been born seven days, you can take that child back to be killed. So in these days, you better know what you believe. Because there are some people that will, that will read that and see that and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're wondering, are we in the same life? Are we in the same world? Please listen to me today. Make Jesus your Lord. Have him have absolute control. Give him everything. And I'm telling you, you'll be surprised at what he will do with your life. There is still a remnant left. There are still those who will not bow to Baal. That will not give the name of Jesus away and just bow down to evil. There are still people doing that. Now, we have evidences of God's lordship over our lives. When I'm talking about, oh, make Jesus Lord, sometimes it's abstract. I'm always big on bringing it to the level where we all can apply it to our lives. You can say, okay, if Jesus is my Lord, this is what I should be doing, or this is what I should be, if I'm not doing this, I need to change and correct that. So I want to just bring three evidences of his lordship in your life. The very first evidence is the degree to which your life is a reflection of the obedience of the word of God. The evidence number one is that if you say Jesus is your Lord, we need to see that in your life, the way your life conforms to the Bible. The way your life conforms to scriptures. We need to see that. In Luke 12, in Luke 12, um, no, Luke 6, 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Some of the things he said, if you go read that Luke, the Lord of things, Jesus spoke a lot of things. Where he says, I say, I say. They have said this, but this is what I say. He says, for example, in Matthew 12, 36, he said, I say to you, Every idle word you speak, you will give account of it on the day of judgment. That's one saying of his. In Luke 12, 8, he says, I said to you, whoever confesses me before men, the Son of Man will also confess him before the angels of God. That is a saying of his. Matthew 5, 28 said, But I said to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus has said a lot of things. If you want to be a doer of the word, get your Bible out and start with the book of John. Read the book of John, get a notebook, and anytime Jesus says, I say, write it down. Write it down as you're reading. If you say anything, even just start with the red letters to make it easier for you. Anything read in the Bible, Jesus said. 
and just take a notebook. That is why as, as a believer, as a young Christian, maybe for us that have been Christians long enough, do that. Go through everything, number one. Number two, I say to you, and then tell yourself, these things that he said, I'm going to maybe start with three or four of them. And the ones that you don't have trouble with, just put an X by it. Make it very practical. Spend the time, tell yourself an hour every day before you go to sleep, I'm going to start reading the book of John, just everything that Jesus said. It's as easy as that. And you find that the more you read, the more you have the desire and the hunger to read his word. I promise you, when you start reading God's word on a regular basis, you might start with one hour. Before you know two hours is not enough. Three hours is not enough. You awake at three o'clock in the morning wondering, God, please let me sleep. But what happens is he begins to reveal things to you. You begin to get strong. Nothing moves you anymore. You can look anything in the face and you say, God remains God. I'm a testimony of that. In Matthew 7, 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Titus 1, verse 16. It says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Please, these are scriptures that will be fulfilled. You don't ever stay on the negative side of scripture. Make sure you're on the positive side. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. A fool is the one that deceives himself and thinks he's on the right way. We don't want to be that. By God's grace, I've told myself, this church, we are going to be a church of the word, because that's the foundation my husband laid. God will bless you and prosper you if you do his word. God will make everything in your family go well if you do his word. So our emphasis is going to be making sure we know this scripture so that when somebody comes to you, like they said, you know when they do the try to check uh, for, for fake dollars, those people that are experts in checking, they don't use the fake dollar. They give the freshly minted new $100 bills, $5, $20 bills, $50 bills, and that's all they go through. They just look every day going through looking at the, new, the, the, the crispy uh, original. That's all they focus on. And so when they see a fake one, because they've handled the real thing, the real deal so many times, they can easily tell that's not the real deal. So that's the same thing with us. Once you handle the word of God, you've read the word of God, it's taking root in you, it's ingrained in you. When you hear anything false, your spirit just rejects it automatically. You don't even have to struggle because you fed your spirit is full with the word of God and with the truth of God, with the light of God. When you appear, people know there's something different about you. They may never have met you. But maybe just the way you talk, the way you carry yourself, they, they, they wonder, what is it about that woman? What is it about that man? That's what the word of God can do. And it's when you put yourself completely under it to do whatever it says, even if it's hard on this flesh. You live in Galatians 6, uh, 6.20, that says, I crucified the flesh. Nevertheless, it's not I that live, it's Christ who lives in me. It's a hard message this morning, but it's necessary we do this. 
The second thing that's evidence of the Lordship of Christ in a man's life is ministry in the body. Ministry in the body. Colossians 4.17 says, And say, Paul, saying to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. If God is your Lord, he has given you a ministry. If God is truly your God and Jesus is your Lord, the day you got saved, you got something that God has given you to do for him. And Paul is saying to Archippus, he says, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord and fulfill it. What has God put in your hand to do for him? What has God given you? What gift do you have? What talent do you have? What have you that you are doing for God today? Is everything in your life about your family, your this, your that? What have you that God has given you to do for him? Sometimes we think that God has to give us something where you are here right now. Like I said last week, the faith. But if you look at some people in the Bible... They walked together with Paul, and I got about, about eight of them. In Colossians 4, you might never have heard of these names before. But Paul mentioned them, and these people were part of all that Paul did. Maybe without this man, with Paul, holding Paul's hand, traveling with him, Timothy was the one that took the parches that, that Paul wrote in when he was in prison. History shows that Timothy would go to the prison through the windows of the prison, give him the parchments that he would write on. And then Timothy would come, take them, and take them to all the churches. But when you read them, all the revelation that Paul got, you think Timothy that did all of that did not get a reward for it? He certainly did. In this church right now, I'm telling you, Scott Tustin is somewhere, you never see him in the service. But everything we do with TV that you are watching right now on, uh, on Facebook, everything is contesting that does it. Ines is there. Ra uh, 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 Randy is there. Teresa is there. Oh, there are so many people walking behind the scenes. You don't see them. Like I said, you don't see my lungs. You don't see my intestines. You don't see my liver. But if something is wrong with any of those parts, there's no way I can stand here and preach. If something happens today, God forbid, Ines, Randy, Teresa, uh, all the people, Joe, Scott Austin, that are all behind Mike, doing everything, you know, Kathy, all of those people, I mean, Shelly Gregory, Shelly Johnson, uh, I can start naming, I can, I can keep on and keep on and keep on. If something happens to any of them today, I can't do what I'm doing. So these men that they named, Tychicus in verse 7 of Colossians 4, he's called him a faithful minister and fellow servant that the Lord sent to me. In verse 9, he calls Onesimus. He says he's a faithful and beloved brother that comes to tell them what's going on with Paul. Verse 10, he mentions Aristarchus. He calls him my fellow prisoner. He mentions Mark. He mentions Justus, who he calls my fellow worker in the kingdom. He mentions Epaphras. He calls him a bond servant of Christ. He mentions Luke the physician. He mentions Demas. On and on and on. Names that you don't even know, you've never heard. But they have their reward. 
So don't think the ministry that God will give you, it might not be a ministry where you are prominently being seen. Maybe God just tells you, be the intercessor in this church. Take an hour every day, pray for Pastor Angela, pray for the ministries of the church. Or God tells you, you are going to be the one to just come and clean the church when nobody is there. Or God tells you, you are the one to do, I mean, it could be anything. And no one even knows, but God knows, God sees, and God will reward you. So you have, the Lordship of Jesus has to be that you have something you're doing in the body of Christ. You have something that you're doing that you're not doing for yourself, but it's solely for God. That's an evidence. And then the last evidence of ministry, of the Lordship of God, is the one that I probably will spend, I don't have too much time, is surrender. How we know a Christian is under the Lordship of Jesus is how much of your life is surrendered to him. And this is greatly emphasized in the life of Abraham. When God told Abraham in Genesis, says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, I want you to go sacrifice him. Surrender is when everything you love, because God will put his hand on it, and says, I want you to, that's, that's what I want you to give up for me. Maybe it's that boyfriend that's not saved. God puts his hand in it and says, I want you to give that boy up for me. Maybe you are doing things that are not following God. You are living a lifestyle that's not good and God says, I want you to give up that for me. I want yourself to die and give that up for me. God will always test us. It says, the Bible says that God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. It was a test to see if God was his Lord, if he was willing to give what was most loved, a promise, the child of promise that he waited for for 25 years, if he was willing to lay it down. What is God asking you and myself to lay down for him today? That is the evidence of lordship. Like I said before, anything that is outside of the Lord, he's not committed to taking care of it. So at the end of the day, really, it's for your own good, it's for my own good. Because everything we give to him, when we say, Lord, it's no longer me, it's just you now. Have it all, take it all. You don't longer have to, you know, the stress we go through is because we are trying to handle all our life ourselves. We are so stressed out, we can't sleep. Everything is upside down because we are trying to be Lord of our lives. The minute you give up your life to the Lord, all your stress will go away. Will things be automatically be okay 100%? No. Because we are still in this world. The rain falls on the just, the rain falls on the unjust. That's what the Bible says. But when you truly give your life to the Lord and surrender everything to him, I'm telling you, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's when we try to carry our own load ourselves that we are stressed out. This building, as, as big, as beautiful as it is, was meant to carry so much stress. If you put too much on it, more than it's supposed to carry, eventually it will break down. The same thing, God created us. He knows how much you can handle. He knows how much you can take. And he says today, give it all up to me. Make me truly the Lord of your life. 
because we are so wanting to do things our own way and it's not helping us and yet we are not learning to just give it all to him. So today we are going to do a handing over ceremony. All of us are going to do it. Whether you want it or not, we came into this service today, I told God, anybody that comes into service today is going to do this handing over ceremony. And once you do it, I'm telling you this week, God is going to come and tell you, I want you to hand over that thing to me. So stand up on your feet, everybody. We are going to be handing over everything to the Lord today. Today is a handing over ceremony, surrender ceremony. I don't know if you all can sing, just come in and sing, I surrender all. Can you do that for me, please? He told I, 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 Abraham, he says, give me your son, your only son. The son you waited 25 years to get from God. The child of promise who represents your future. Give it up to me. Sacrifice it to me. Kill it for me. So I want every one of you to stretch out your hands. Just stretch out your hands like this. And whatever it is in your life that you know has not been under the canopy of God, you speak, open your own mouth and tell God I hand over to you. Father God, we hand over our lives to you this morning. Father, we hand over our finances to you this morning. Lord, we hand over our children to you this morning. Lord, I hand over my desires, oh God. I hand over everything to you, Lord God. Every dream, I hand it over to you. Every plan, I hand it over to you. Lord, my emotions, I hand it over to you. My whole life, oh God, I hand it over to you. Because you are a good God, you are able to take care of that which we have given to you. Lord, we surrender. We surrender. We surrender. We surrender. We surrender, Lord. We give it all to you this morning. Father, take it from us and do what you will with it. I surrender all. I surrender all. Yes, Lord. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. Yes, we surrender it all, all to you this morning. We surrender all, Lord and Jesus. I Sing it with us. All. I surrender everything to you, Lord Jesus. I, I surrender, surrender my children to you, Lord Jesus. I surrender my family, my children, my job, my businesses, Lord, my life, my heart, my strength, my mind. I surrender it to you. Everything I own, oh God, I give it to you today, Lord. Father, there is nothing that is outside of your touch in my life, oh God. When you put your hand on it, oh God, I will give it to you. I will surrender it to you for the glory of God. I surrender all this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All to you. All to you. All to you. I surrender all. Hallelujah. I surrender it all to you, Jesus. One more time. I surrender all. I surrender all. Oh, to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. So, Lord God, as we stand before you this morning, 
your children, Lord God, if there's anyone here who has not experienced you as Lord, as Savior, first of all, as Savior, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit will convict them today. Father God, that you speak to their hearts and they will receive you as their Savior, the one who will give them eternal life with God. And Father, today as we stand before you as a church, as individuals, one by one as we appeared before you this morning, Lord God, we lay our lives before your feet today. We lay everything right before you. We give it all to you. We say take absolute control of our lives. Father, we are willing, oh God, and if there are ways and there are things that we are not willing, make us willing. Because when we give it to you, you are going to do good with it. Everything, you are going to turn it for our good and for the glory and advancement of the kingdom. And so, Lord God, today I pray that you will strengthen us to, in our resolve, Lord. Strengthen that resolve to truly not just say this from our lips, oh God, but that our hearts will be in it also. Father, as we go today, we are not leaving your presence. Father, let your peace that passes all understanding rule and reign in our hearts. Let your favor find us, oh God, wherever we are. Let that favor surround us, surround us like a shield, as it says in Psalm 5, verse 12. Surround us in our front, in our back, in our side. Father God, every man we meet, every woman we meet, every boy, every girl, let your glory in our, in our lives shine. Let them see that you are God in our life. Father, we want to make a difference. We want our lives to make a difference. We don't want to follow the crowd, oh God. We want to be on that narrow way, the narrow way. You said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We want to be in that way of Jesus as our Lord. To you be all the praise and glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Would you give him a clap offering this morning for the glory of his name?